0: It's a
1: Modern Figures podcast hosted by Dr. Jeremy Wasem
0: and Dr. Kyla McMullen, where we are elevating the voices of black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce.
1: This podcast exists to highlight the stories of black women in computing, to inspire high schoolers and the young at heart, and to dispel the myths and preconceptions about black women in computing
0: this podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. This season is generously supported by NCWIT and CRAWP. The National Center for Women and Information Technology, or NCWIT, is a nonprofit community that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase the influential and meaningful participation of girls and women in technology.
1: And the Computing Research Association's Committee on Widening Participation in Computing, or CRAWP, endeavors to increase the success and participation of underrepresented groups in computing research and education at all levels.
0: all right today we have an extra extra special guest we got the reverend dr france jackson with us (laughs) she is a geek and she is chic she is a native of columbia south carolina and in 2018 she joined as a ux architect at intel corporation so ux is user experience But in general, her job entails working on a software innovation team where she creates new software experiences that help differentiate Intel architecture. She designs and explores software that creates unique experiences Um, One project that she worked on helped to make video game streaming easier and lowered the barrier for beginners, but she's a member of the One Edge team, where she leads the strategy, planning, and execution of activities to define and deliver industry-leading experiences for edge products and new and evolving enterprise network business segments like industry, retail, sports, hospitality, healthcare. She does it all. So in terms of school. She got her Bachelor of Science in Industrial Engineering from Clemson University. She also got her Master of Science in Industrial Engineering at Clemson. She got her PhD in Human-Centered Computing from the University of Florida. And she is a notable because she is actually one of the first two Black women to graduate from the Computer Science Department at UF. So, and I know it's true because my signature is there somewhere. So, (laughs) presentation topic is about creating a socially acceptable and usable brain-computer interface device for women. Personally, she is a fashionista and experience creator. She's the co-owner of DHF Glam Beauty... That's what makes her geek and she. She's a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Incorporated, and she comes across my timeline. She preaching, playing the keyboard. I think too. She just does it all. She does it all. So welcome, friends. <laughs> was any of that allowed? Oh because man, lie. thank you. That's hilarious. That's, she was that's a, that's a very, um, <laughs> the. The very first time I got an introduction like that. So hey. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah, I think her, your face kind of tells it all. You looked very like su- surprised that she went that deep. I was surprised. I need one myself. of those buttons, you know, when you're on the recording.
0: And they have that little. I'm uh, the crowd, <laughs> because I know a lot more about you than other guests that we have. So I was like, okay, So thank you for taking the time That's out funny. of your day to be here with us. So you have all of these accolades, all this fun stuff that you do in computing, but when you were like young, was this something you thought you would be doing? Like, did you have any early influences that affected how you kinda got in this direction? I do not think I was gonna be doing this. Um, when I was young, like elementary school young, I wanted to be a performer. So like I was in school plays, I was like the lead in different, um, our elementary school did a, each grade level did a different play each year and it was like their major production and so I was the lead like three times in three different grades. We did high school, oh, we did um, Schoolhouse Rock Live, like all those sorts of things and so it was really fun, I used to think that I wanted to be an actress, like I used to audition for like commercials and a lot of local things. One of my mentors, she has her own radio show and she had a television show. So I would be on there all the time as a guest and things like that. And so I had this whole uh, performance uh, communications type background, like um, being formally trained in public speaking and stuff like that. But when I was oh in, wow oh, and then I played musical instruments <laughs> so that like you alluded to so that all added to this idea of like singing <laughs> acting performing We're but when the I was same. In like right so that's where some of my you know you guys personally know me so you know the bubblier side to my nerdiness comes from that type of background and when I was in sixth grade I decided like you know what I just feel like and this is a true story I just feel like um acting is not a, um, it's like not guaranteed, right? It's so fickle. You don't know if you're going to be successful. You don't know if you're going to book gigs. And I was like, I think I just need something that's more uh, like stable. That was the word I thought. I need a more stable career that I know it's going to afford <laughs> me the lifestyle that I'm accustomed to. I'm just laughing because it's 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 my story, story too. It is you were grade. younger than me. You were younger yeah. than me. So, and so that's... I knew that I really enjoyed science and technology. I knew that I was always very curious. I wanted to like understand <laughs> how things worked. I was taking apart the remote control and trying to put it back together. I loved um, Lego blocks and stuff like that. And so this idea of being an engineer and being able to make things popped out, you know, a lot of people obviously told me like, oh, you should be an engineer, you're good at math and science. And I'm grateful that people didn't look at me and see a girl and say, oh, girls don't do that. They nurture mm-hmm. that. And my family was super nurturing of my interest. So once I told my grandparents and my parents that I was interested in that sort of thing, I was in science camps. I had all the little kits and all those things like they invested a lot of time and money into nurturing my interest in STEM. And so I got I went to um, the Challenger Learning Center. I would say is one of the pivotal experiences that I had I had in being interested in science and technology. You basically go for like a summer camp. You can go for a day trip and you like you oh, go wow. through these simulations where you're pretending to be an astronaut. And mm. so either you're in the spaceship or you're at uh, oh, the ground control. You know, like the coordinate like Houston, we have a problem, the people that are in the the, the ground control. Yes. Yeah, so you're alternate between being in those experiences. And it was just so cool to be able to do that. And then we did like Side projects on the other days Like you know the rocket ship with the Alka-Seltzer and baking soda and vinegar Like that sort of situation Um so, yeah, so just having experiences like that Really kind of honed in on my desire As a kid to want to be Interested I didn't know I wanted to be an industrial engineer I didn't know what an industrial uh, engineer was college. Until so, I got to college <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Same I didn't either I definitely had the wrong Perception I didn't either um So yeah that's, that's another story. I mean, Maybe we could go there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. So um, let's say like sixth grade through high school, I knew I wanted to be an engineer. So I did a lot of things just kind of focusing on that career path. I was set Very on that. I thought specific. I wanted to go to Duke. and <laughs> want to major in engineering. And then around... El- Oh man, mm-hmm. I, you know, y'all know me. I'm super goal oriented. I got a plan, and I'm executing a list. against that checklist. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so bullets, and don't right. don't come in the way of my plan, or we got friction. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Basically, in high school, I went to like different camps. So, I went to like governor School, which is like a six week program at College of Charleston, and it was super fun. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful, but College of Charleston is a liberal arts school. They don't have engineering degree so I knew I couldn't go there. Some of my friends did end up going there and then the next week I went to Clemson for this career <laughs> workshop and I was sold like walking around the campus it was so beautiful, it just felt awesome. The food was good, the energy, <laughs> the people were very embracing. Like you just felt the energy and I knew from that moment like oh, I'm definitely going to Clemson and it's a good school. I, growing up, I grew up in Columbia. So <laughs> I didn't even know Clemson was a good school, to be mm-hmm. honest, because all we know is USC Carolina Gamecocks, because that's what's mm-hmm. down the street. Mm-hmm. And so one of my close friends who was a couple of years older than I, he went to Clemson. And his mom is a teacher, his dad is a principal. And so I'm like, wow, if Jonathan went to Clemson, then it must be a good school. Maybe I should started looking at it and considering it and then I started to look at it and that's how I ended up going to that program that I was telling you about and then I was super sold on it and that's how I ended up at Clemson when I got there I know I want to be an engineer but it was like anything but <laughs> industrial or civil. that's where you see different this is where the road is <laughs> I know right I thought industrial <laughs> this is where I, wow. this the right. I thought industrial engineers only worked in factories Makes sense. And like plants and like hard hats and stuff like that. And I thought civil engineers (laughs) had to be outside and I don't really like to be outside, not for work. So (laughs) that was literally it. That was the only reason. Looking back, I probably would have enjoyed architecture as a major, but that was why civil wasn't it. So your freshman year, you have to do what we call CES, Clemson Engineering and Science. And it's essentially like the introductory engineering class. And you do all this stuff. It's super hard. And then you, a part of it is to learn about the different disciplines. And they have professors from each of the disciplines come in and then you pick three um, departments to take a tour of. So the industrial engineer professor came in and he was talking about human factors and ergonomics and user centered design and product design and Um, he at the time was like an expert witness for like error detection and things like that like the airlines were paying Mm -hmm. him to come in and uh, assess the human error and human factors and all that type of stuff and it just sounded so cool I was like well I'm trying to be a part of that like (laughs) I'm trying to be a part of that and he was talking about like how it can brings in psychology and understanding of people and bringing it into engineering and all that so I went on a tour of engineering department. It was cool. I met cool people. And then I got involved in industrial engineering. Um, and We say in industrial engineering, we say engineers make things. Industrial engineers make them better. And so um, <laughs> I met Dr. Joel Greenstein. And that's when I really got into user-centered design and understanding how to um, make products with the end user in mind and the importance of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was set on. I was doing IE for a while and then I met my advisor. And then it was over.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's how this happened.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. And then the whole world okay. shifted
1: after that. Um, okay, and it wait, was very well,
0: much so happy. I don't want to talk
1: about him yet. Okay, let's not talk
0: about him Yeah, yet. right? Let's yeah, about, let's get to go spot.
1: Well, I'm just thinking like, so we had a previous guest, Christina Gardner-McCoon, come on here and mm-hmm. tell us about how she wasn't a nerd. And like mm. how everybody knew her, and she was popular, and she was a cheerleader, and she was fabulous. So I'm just wondering, France, just uh-huh. because I feel like you and I are just so alike. <laughs> were you a nerd?
0: I've always embraced. sounds like yes. Um, <laughs> obviously, like middle school is something that people like pick on you, like, oh, you talk white, or da 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 da, and. I tell people i tell you, well, I get paid a lot of money Blue. to speak the way that I speak. Oh. So deal with it. But um, I don't know. I think that in high school, I definitely, obviously I was the smart girl. Everybody knew me as being mm-hmm. the smart girl. But I was also captain of the volleyball team, captain of the basketball team. I ran track. I was a oh, principal so you was dancer doing everything. in the dance company. I was, yes, on the I was on the concert band. I was doing all type of things. And I was like voted most popular. So like her, I was very popular. I was, this is what I'm talking about <laughs> I was student body president <laughs> yeah I actually was nominated for most of the superlatives except for like mm-hmm. class you yeah. know when I was doing your my intro I was like I feel like France is an extrovert but you give introvert sometimes so what what are you I think I am an introverted extrovert. When I was younger, I was an extrovert. I was the type of person, when I walk in, I'm going to walk around the whole room. I'm going to speak to everybody. I'm going to shake hands, all that stuff. Y'all I'm computer scientists ruined her. I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. And grad school ruined me. Like, I'm mm-hmm. burnt out between growing up, having to be so extroverted, between going to grad school and having to go to conferences and walk in a circle and say the same speech. I'm um, <laughs> friends. This is what I'm about study. This is my <laughs> research area. This was my dissertation. They took the fun out of talking. (laughs) Pretend to listen and care about whatever you're talking about that I have no idea about. So now I just. I'm burnt out from that and I would not consider myself an extrovert. I'm an extroverted I am introvert. I'm literally crying. <laughs> <laughs> I could I literally could see you in somebody's random conference room, ballroom, like I am France. <laughs> yes. What, you, what are you saying? Okay. N- uh, that no, cool. because
1: she she has been formally trained <laughs> yes. as an actress. No, on the inside. So that's what her voice it. is
0: given on the oh, inside. Okay. Oh, like, yeah. On the outside. Uh, or now definitely. <laughs> at oh where God. I'm at now like I might be standing in a corner like eating whatever <laughs> I want to eat drinking whatever I want to drink and then leaving unless somebody's like friends come meet this person and I'm like hi hey <laughs> yeah hey how's it going you introvert." Uh, mm. now that oh. for all the listeners that doesn't oh mean God. if you see me in public don't speak to me <laughs> or I don't want to talk to you why did you say I give you introvert bob because like you 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 definitely mind your business you keep the, it's not a whole lot of extraness when you're in the room it's like i am here for this task what's outside of that task i'm no i'm not entertaining that's that. at
1: work though so, yeah like... that's what
0: i'm saying i feel like you give you give introvert but you have a lot of extroverted characteristics i was like i'm not sure she might be one of those like you said introverted extroverts or extroverted introvert i was like it's one of them two mm-hmm. she's a broderick <laughs> yes yeah. Well, pride. also, if we're keeping it a hundred percent honest, I mean, by the time we made it to Florida, I was, was so down. ready to yeah. go <laughs> and graduate that yes. I literally was, I'm here so I don't get fired, first of all, <laughs> or fined, or whatever. And I was just trying to get the things done. Like you said, I'm not in my business. Right. You know, my I got my list. Get out. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's really funny because if someone who had met me in high school were to describe me or even undergrad. They would not describe me in that way. They would describe me as extroverted, the life of the party, center of attention. Even though I don't want the attention, but it's just fine. It like, I'm the one setting out the chance <laughs> in college. I would be the one setting out the what is a delta chant, like stuff like <laughs> stuff like that. It's me. It used to be me. And now you're just um, in the corner. It's still
1: there. It's still there. It's a season. Now, this is a season.
0: Now I'm in my section drinking my drink and minding my, <laughs> my business. I, mean, I, feel like I feel like it comes with age too, because like I feel like at least for me, I'm an extrovert. But as I've gotten older, I'm just like, mm, I can leave. I can, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to talk to everyone. I could be binge watching something right now, right, with no shoes on like <laughs> it. <laughs> the no shoes I know that's part not is what very. You really wanted to say <laughs> yes. That's so but important. We not say that on here. Right. There's another part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's, it's also a, good... a bit of laziness too. It's, it's called lazy. rest. Don't be trying to shame your rest. It is not lazy. Sometimes we just mm-hmm. need to rest. I read your whole intro. All that stuff you do. you need to rest. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. The so one thing that we all have in common is that so, we met a person named Juan Gilbert and somehow <laughs> he changed the trajectory of what we thought we were gonna do. So swindled you were, you swindled, hoodwink, bamboozle, whatever you want to it. All <laughs> of it. All of the it. above. But friends, I, I haven't heard this from, from your perspective because you was in a whole nother major. So how mm-hmm. did this happen? And then you ended up in Florida, so in a different major, in a different department, at a whole nother the state whole another school how, how did this happen the juan gilbert <laughs> um so i was doing undergraduate research between my junior and senior year hold and- on sorry to interrupt you as soon as I- like <laughs> you just texted me oh my god oh, you <laughs> see how he's like <laughs> he's always here he's so always he's ever present ever yes. present i know y'all talking to prince i can feel it <laughs> anyways um yeah so i was doing undergraduate research for um uh, ls SCAMP program i was doing undergraduate research between my junior and senior year and we had to present it in the summer at Claflin university so we go to Claflin university we present our research posters and all that type of stuff and the keynote speaker was dr juan gilbert so i'm looking on the program and i'm like this guy teaches at clemson I've never seen him before. He's in the computer science department. Who is this man? So it was like a black man from my school that was in the computer science department that I had never heard of, never seen. And I thought that that was so crazy that I had to go to another school to meet him. (laughs) So being my extroverted self, I walked up to him. And I introduced myself to him you know said hey i really enjoyed your talk you know about hci and user experience blah, blah blah i'm a student in the industrial engineering department i study human factors i think what you're talking about is cool it sounds kind of similar but i don't know a lot about it and he's like oh you have a background in human factors like set up some time my assistant to come and talk to me, uh, whatever, whatever. So we had a one-on-one meeting. The meeting went well. And he invited me to like participate with his lab. So I was still a senior at that time, but I would come to the lab meetings, kind of listening on different projects and things like that. And then he extended me an offer to join his lab officially as a graduate student um, for my senior year. I mean, sorry, for, for graduate school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I graduated um, I don't know, May 12th or something like that. And 14th, I was in the lab and I was <laughs> ready to go. And he basically just talked to me about how I could incorporate um, my human factors background with technology and, you know, study user experience and still focus on user-centered design and those type of things. And so that's how I got into computing with Dr. Gilbert explaining HCI and UX to me. So did you feel like you had a hard transition into that area like did you have much computing like experience before then or if you didn't like did you being Mm -hmm. around a bunch of people who did like did that make you feel different. I didn't feel like it was that hard of a transition. Um, Maybe if I had to get a PhD in computer science purely without a concentration in HCC, it might have been a little more um, when you get into the nitty-gritty of computing. But what I had to do and like coding and things like that, that wasn't foreign to me. We learned some basic, like visual basic and things like that. So the idea of understanding logic and how the The basics of coding, I already knew those things. I just needed to learn the syntax of the languages for the classes that I was taking. Mm -hmm. And computer science was, um, computer science, computer engineering was another possible major that I was interested in when I was going into college. So I was always interested in computers and the MySpace pages and all that stuff. I was listening (laughs) to Danae's interview and you guys were talking about that. So I was totally into the HTML and tinkered with it. And I thought it was super cool. So if anything, I was excited about learning more and being more exposed to computing. Um, so, yeah. so it's such you- an
1: interesting intersection of yes. the disciplines. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that could exist. Like, right? they don't mm-hmm. necessarily find that particular space. And we talk about it. I teach a class. It's like an intro to design course. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's really important for people to understand is, like, Everything an engineer does ultimately impacts human life, right? Yeah. And like we play such a fundamental role in a lot of the technologies and innovations that people see, but we don't often consider the individuals we're designing for mm-hmm. in the process. And so I can see how that would be really appealing to someone who like likes people. Yeah. I to like people now. I pretend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: But back then I did.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like to be like, oh, I can talk to people and figure out what interests them and like try to make what I'm creating better fit them and yeah. their needs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's I think cool. of our job as being problem solvers. Like as an engineer, that's always been the purpose or the goal. And I really don't like to work on things that don't fix the problem. Like Mm -hmm. if we're, I don't like the idea of making something cool just because you think it's cool or because you have the capability. Like I want to know how is this helping people? What problem is this solving? Is there a real world need for this or else I'm kind of like, eh, Mm -hmm. that's nice. Yeah, because it's that's the motivation that gets you, you know, out of the bed in the morning when it's time to work on it, and something's not working. It's like, well, I need to solve this because I am solving X problem for the world, so I can get over this random hurdle that's happening yeah. today. And that's what I really liked about Doctor Gilbert's lab. You know, we had that huge banner, it's like change the world, and that's what the goal is <laughs> every day. You know, what I mean, like we're trying to figure out how we can change the world and have an impact or influence somebody who will, you know. And I, I just. I like that, Uh, having a large impact, because it's kind of like using our skills for good. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so you're in Juan's lab, you're Mm -hmm. at Clemson, you're, what?
1: I just, no, go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, it's fine. (laughs) I feel special. There's a lot of questions. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, I was saying you're you're in Juan's lab and you know, you're doing your work, you have a project, you're a PhD student, everything was easy. You had a good, you know, introduction in, and what nothing it's was foreign like to you. Easy. But, okay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you end up in Florida. So what what was that like? <laughs> that whole because I know what it was like on my side, <laughs> <laughs> Cause I knew a whole month before y'all did. And y'all be in my office like I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm like oh, they don't even know. They they don't even. Well, know to be, fair, it was a lot because um, I think my story was a little different from some other people's stories. It was kind of unique. I did know that Audie Gerber went on the trip to Florida because I saw it on his calendar, and so <laughs> we we knew that. Like people, several of us saw that. But and he goes I everywhere. Knew you know, he goes. Yeah, but a a not the way he went to Florida. <laughs> the Florida trip was—it stood out, and it was different from the way he typically goes to other places. And you know, I don't—we don't, don't want to talk about it on the podcast, but we kind of knew the atmosphere of what was going on at that time. And so we saw that on the calendar. I was like, okay, we knew he was looking at places. You know, we're close to our advisor, so he told us certain things. Like we knew he was looking at certain places and things like that. Um, but as far as him officially telling us, it was pretty much like, "Yep, I'm going to Florida. Um, you're welcome to come." Um, you got to decide for yourself if you want to come, but just keep in mind that if you're not graduating by December, then you'll have to get a new advisor because they're not going to let me be. <laughs> they're not going to let me be your advisor on your committee. So it was just kind of like, what the world? We have to pick up our whole life and move to another state to another school. And for me, I had already had my like dissertation plan, so I was pretty much ABD at that point. Yeah, I just needed to propose and do my dissertation. That was it. And in my head, I was engaged at the time. So I was supposed to be getting married like June of that year. This is March when he told us I was supposed to get married in June. And I had gotten engaged in 2012. And I told my fiance, hey, Well, I don't want to get married until I'm done with my PhD or almost done with my PhD. So we didn't set a date at first. And then once I saw like my plan and my schedule and how things are going, I said, okay, well, 2014, I'll be ABD. So I'll be able to just, you know, I'll be done with classes. I'll be done with qualifying, stuff like that. I'll just need to be doing my dissertation. So if we want to get married in 2014, I'm cool with that. So that was our whole plan. I did not expect my advisor to come in and be like, yeah, well, we're going to another school. I was not graduated by December and I just felt like it was not worth it for me to put this much work into school and all the things mm-hmm. that I had done to just kind of potentially mess myself up by staying at Clemson. One, I need to follow the money. Two, I need to go with my advisor because this is the person that I'm working hand in hand with. I don't want to have to build rapport with a new person mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I don't yeah. even know if there was going to be drama or what the Dynamic was going to be because he left. Are you going to treat me differently? Because I was one of Juan's students, so I was just like, I don't want to deal with that. Um, and all the both of my other degrees were from Clemson, so I said, Well, this will be an opportunity for me to diversify my CB and go to a school that's higher rate. Like Florida's a great school, and we got an opportunity to go. It'd be crazy for me not to go. Um, I'll figure out the personal life stuff, but that's kind of how my head was back then. Like it was all set on that goal of getting my PhD and everything else was up for debate or figure it out. Um, so yeah, I ended up deciding to go to Florida. And as we made that decision, more and more things became clear, like, oh, you're going to have to take classes, some classes. Hmm, okay, and you're going to have to do your qualifying exam and you're going to have to do this and that. And it was like, oh my God, I got to go back to be a super student. I was not ready to be nobody's wife. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm like, I ain't ready to be nobody's wife if I got to (laughs) do all these things. So I told my fiance, I thought we should postpone the wedding and he did not agree. And so he said, if we weren't getting married on uh, whatever, June 7th, I think, if we weren't getting married on that day, then he wasn't going to be happy and he said that i was selfish and i put my personal goals before our goals and just all the things try. so we broke up and then i came to florida and got my phd in may history so i'm um, just saying <laughs> so well. that's that there's that <laughs> now the transition into computer science wasn't hard but the transition to uf was hard mm Because a lot of people, you know, they go through their PhD program and they're like, oh, I'm going to be at this one school forever. But you have no idea what your advisor's plans are. So, like, Mm -hmm. what? because I know what my transition was like, but I came from a school that was very much like UF. So, Mm -hmm. to me, I was like, okay, I'm returning to familiarity. But for you, it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, what is this? (laughs) It's way bigger. It's way bigger. It's way bigger. And it was just like, like, the size was cool. It didn't bother me. But it was all the things that 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 were like the butterfly effect of the size, like all the things that it affected, the way in which we had to do paperwork and the way in which we had like all these extra little things that we had to do that mm-hmm. we didn't have to do at Clemson that was way smoother, way easier. But it's because the school is so much larger. There's so many people that they have to deal with so many projects and things like that. So to me, it just felt like a hassle of all this extra stuff, but it had it served a purpose. It's just that I we had to get used to that. Even with IRB, like IRB at Clemson was so easy. What's but IRB you to, France? You tell us. <laughs> no, <IRB>? you guessed.
1: <laughs> it's the institutional review board. review <laughs> board. <laughs> yes.
0: For everybody. They, no. <laughs> yes. And you have to
1: submit anything that involves human subjects to them to ensure yeah. that you will not cause harm. Even a survey.
0: It's right. like, if yes. you're going to be traumatized by this survey. And it serves a purpose for sure. But at Clemson, it was pretty easy to. It's, it's annoying and aggravating everywhere, no matter where it is. But it was easier than when I we got it was to harder life. at Clemson no at, it, at was US, it, was- it was paper it was paper okay well that's I just true the irb in the week on the weekend in my drawers if i wanted to I love- like, that's, right. that's fair. that's fair that is fair it was better still <laughs> but it was so much longer and so much more questions because you have a bed school you got people Submit Mm -hmm. IRBs that are literally probing on people's brains, people working with fetuses and pregnant women and, you know, different high risk uh, populations Populations. that Mm -hmm. we didn't have to deal with at Clemson. So it just changed everything. There's definitely Um, different
1: levels of IRB process. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Processes. Yeah, I wasn't used to one that
0: wasn't electronic. I was like, what are y'all doing? Uh. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Better, mm-hmm. sure.
1: but like you still had community though because when Juan left I like to call it the great migration <laughs> um he brought like a, oh yeah a, like 20 students right? a bunch of y'all
0: absolutely it the community like, was
1: the same it doubled the diversity <laughs>
0: For all the listeners, in the just imagine, you know, a typical PWI in the South that just gets this influx of Black faculty and PhD students that just show up on the doorstep one day. Like, we live here. So think about all of the, the drama <laughs>
1: that could mm-hmm. go on. And we're building a lab. We're building yes. a cool lab.
0: A cool lab. Not just a lab. Yeah. yeah. We built a cool lab, so... Huh. No, it was it was great. I was happy y'all had, you know, we had, you know, all the community. There were familiar faces, familiar people. Did your topic change? I'm curious. Uh, Yeah, it, it did change. Um, I was still, you know, my research has always been kind of at the cross-section of technology and popular culture. So um, think, I've always been interested in, like, fashion, media, gaming, things like that. And so before... I was I can't even remember what I was doing. I remember I was doing some type of recommendation system that had to do with like retail experiences. I remember um, that. Okay. I was like, I knew you were doing something else. I couldn't this remember. is like a decade ago. <laughs> so long ago. So it switched up a little bit. It took me a while to kind of come back around to BCI. I was working so heavily with Chris and and it just made sense to pick something in BCI. And then it was it ended up being something that I was passionate about um what's bci for brain everyone computer who has interface headphones. devices <laughs> yes so they yeah. literally over here with devices that you can put on your head and use your brain waves to control them and she's like glossing over it like it's nothing it's a calculator like she's literally just glossing <laughs> over this whole not a calculator this whole thing um i mean i, I love it but i love maybe- the pictures like it's BCI, whatever <laughs> It was it was my dissertation was important to me because when we were at Clemson is when we first started like kind of doing BCI. I worked on a distracted driving project with a couple people and things like that. And at that time, we were using the Emotive Epoch, and this device literally looks like a spider on your head, and it has um, it does and it has felt pads that have to touch your scalp, and they have to be wet. So um, like you were alluding to earlier, our lab at the time was the largest contingency of black PhD students in computer science in the country, and half of them were women. So we're talking about half of our lab are black women. We're trying to study BCI, and we can't even use our lab mates to participate in our studies. I can't even participate in my own study half the time, depending on how my hair is styled, because the device was not intended for me to use. I was yeah. never thought about for, as the mm-hmm. end user of this device. And so I thought it was important to solve that real world problem and figure out if there are other ways that we could design these devices that they'd be more inclusive for people like myself, women in general. And then beyond increasing the usability, this idea that people would actually want to wear them and they would be more socially acceptable, seen as wearable devices like an Apple Watch or similar, a Fitbit, that sort of thing, because we were working on you know, new ways to benefit from reading your EEG waves and how that could have implications on your everyday life?
1: We might need to talk because, <laughs> um, you know, I'm on this this path towards a tenure track faculty position. And I just, I remember your study, right? And like the work that you were doing. And I, I got to do like some of the pilot stuff for her. Uh, and, you know... That was part of your
0: indoctrination.
1: I know. (laughs) They sucked me in, y'all. Like, this is how I became a computer scientist. And so I just, like, I don't know. Like, I think it's really cool work. And I think it's something that could be leveraged to really understand people's, like, emotional or physical state in really difficult scenarios. Like, just Mm -hmm. taking engineering tests, for example, or dealing with things like, I can't I can't speak on it you know I can't say all the things because if I say all the things and somebody might be like oh I listen to her they podcast. might try I'm to do it right this is the yeah. NSF proposal <laughs> that I might submit so I'm gonna talk to oh, you nice. offline let's figure it out because I really yeah. like it's in the startup package that's all I'm gonna say
0: <laughs> okay okay I'm down but it's because of you it's because of just
1: that like one interaction that made me think like oh this could be something that would be really valuable to understand. Like, do I have the background to be able to do that? No, but I know it. friend. Well, that's
0: why you could get students. That's what yep. they're for.
1: Exactly.
0: The exactly. students make the work happen. <laughs> exactly. Secret to to secret academia. To Great giving student. away all of our secrets. People are like, Oh, you do awesome research. I'm like, No, you see them five people that sit down in my way. <laughs> <laughs> the Even research cool, I do cool. is on finding the right students. That the research That's real research. That's right, real. I send emails and manage humans. That's what I do. I know the yep. research, but there's so little of the research that I can actually and edit do the paper. Yeah, I just like paper.
1: she had like all these really cute like ig- visuals too that went along with her PhD that like. I don't you don't see stuff like that right, right. like
0: where it's like look yeah, at this girl and her hair and
1: yeah I have this
0: think? as a question for later but it's relevant now like how do you balance like staying true to who you are and the things that you like and trying to like mm-hmm. fit into a see a computing world because computer science is not glamorous it is not yeah you know beautifully aesthetic I think that's the part I don't try to fit I only try mm. to be myself um and I just make a lane for myself. Like like Jeremy said, you know, I came in there with mood boards. I'm like, Dr. Gilbert, I need to get this three foot, uh, five foot uh, styrofoam board. He's like, why do you need that? Because this is what I need to make my mood board so everybody can see it in my focus group I need these mirrors so people can see themselves and like Mm -hmm. I had like these things that I printed off that were my design ideas and just pulling inspiration from the way things happen in fashion and the way they happen in design cult centric cultures because that's what I'm interested in and that's what drives me and that was kind of the whole point of the dissertation is to bring those things to technology instead of designing a device another wearable device I wanted to make a head accessory A wearable, an existing thing that we already wear on our head. How do we add technology to those things? And even with like my Instagram, like you were talking about earlier, geek and chic, like that just, that is who I am. I'm very much a nerd. I'm very much a geek, but I'm also going to come with the fashion. Like I'm going to come with, with the cool stuff. And I don't know. I think a part of that is, um, goes into my efforts for STEM outreach, Like, I think I have to be myself in order to try to get more people that look like me interested in this space. It's not going to serve them or me to try to pretend or fit into a mold. So Mm -hmm. I'll just be doing my own thing, to be honest. I've always kind of been that way, like just doing my own thing. Like, I don't necessarily have to break the rules all the way. I might bend them, but I'm trying to create new ones. And I definitely am challenging the ones that don't make sense.
1: So I know like as a student, there's all these different things like kind of pulling you different directions. like you want to be excellent in your coursework, but then you have all this research stuff. But in computer science it's really common that you do internships to try to like figure out your place and mm-hmm. you did a bunch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like Clemson is pretty in engineering, it's pretty common and expected almost that you do an internship and it makes it a lot easier to get a job. But I mm-hmm. didn't do any internships in undergrad. Uh, but I did do research because wow. I knew that I wanted to go to graduate school. So mm-hmm. I didn't know what type of engineer I wanted to be, but I always knew I wanted to get a PhD and I wanted to go to graduate school. And so <laughs> when I was an undergrad, I figured out that it would be more important or more beneficial to do Uh, undergraduate research so then once i got to graduate school i didn't realize at first that people had phds in industry i thought that if you got a phd it was to become a professor or some type of research scientist. But you ain't I, a professor? That's I'm what like, she thought. That's what uh, I thought. Okay. Let me just say, okay. <laughs> I, I definitely ain't a professor. It wasn't until <laughs> I did my internship or, or until I got into grad school and then started to learn more things. I was very like ignorant to the, to all the opportunities or paths that you could go down. And so I think when Intel came and we were talking about doing internships and different people having PhDs and all that type of stuff, I was like, oh, wow, like, that's a thing to do? Yeah, I'll I'll try that. I'll check that out. Like, that seems cool. And I thought that it was okay because I had already... I made it at a point to start doing research my first summer out of undergrad. So mm. my first summer out of undergrad, I figured out who was working on something that was going to terminate in a paper and something useful. And I got on that and figured out how I could help. And that turned into a journal article, a conference mm-hmm. paper. That's like, the cheat code right there. Cheat code. <laughs> for real that's the cheat code like especially when you're in a lab like ours you got to figure out who the people are that you need to align yourself with especially early on when you are a rookie and you don't really know anything or you don't know you don't even know what IRB is you know like you don't know the ins and outs figuring out who to align yourself with is a whole skill um so yeah so anyways I did my first internship at Intel I mean there's a whole story about Genevieve Bell you know wanting to um we're here. Okay. Well, um, there's this person, Genevieve Bell. She's actually an Intel fellow, and she used to be over um ixr like intel experience research group which was within intel labs and that's the research Mm -hmm. arm at intel and so she wanted to increase the diversity within her organization she learned about dr gilbert realized that he had all these black phd students who were studying hci who had ux experience and things like that so she they met they had a meeting whatever he invited her to clemson so they came Intel ixr lab came with like 13 people their ops manager came all these people from intel we had like a whole research week pretty much where we were doing lab tours Just we were demos, doing uh, demos we were wow. doing posters all this stuff we took them to a football game we had a box at Clemson, which we did have a box at Clemson, yes. and so we took them to the box and we had all this this is a great experience and so at the end of the week they kind of got back with us and Picked uh, about six people or so to come and do internships based on all the stuff that we had showed them, and I got picked to be one of the people. This is the end of my first year of graduate school, and I was super shocked because I'm like, "There's mad like uh, there are higher, computer more scientists, senior <laughs> people right. in yeah. this." program that are computer scientists like y'all picked me okay well i'm gonna come i'm gonna come and do my thug fizzle and see what happens you know what i'm saying so so then i went and i did my first internship and they wanted me to do um I actually didn't even work in IXR. I became a part of this Intel Collaborators program, which was an internship program where they brought together a multidisciplinary team. So it was like engineering Mm -hmm. students that had different majors and backgrounds, and they were like kind of working on and solving different problems. And so I was like the human factors engineer type thing on the program on this particular project. I ended up kind of leading the team. And so that was my first internship. We were working on like personas and things like that for assistive driving and automotive Mm -hmm. solutions. And then the next summer came around and it was kind of like, hey, you want we got another UX project. These are the UX projects that we have. Which one would you like to do? And I was like, oh, well, I think that one's cool. So then that was the one (laughs) that I ended up working on that second year. We were doing like... um, new forms of media consumption we're looking at like interactive 3d media environments where people could like learn new things or maybe we were talking with like oregonian and uh like recording like a soccer game and having Mm -hmm. it on the website and people being able to like move around in space and stuff like that
1: like meta Uh, before meta
0: like Meta before Meta, a lot of the stuff that I was working on, it was like a couple years down the line. Mm-hmm. So that was my second internship. And that was actually on the team that I started my Intel career, starting working there full time. So that was my second internship. And then my third internship, similar, rolled around, hey, these are the UX projects. for Because all this is in the Intel Collaborators program. So once I came in the first time and I did well, I just stayed in contact with the leader of the program. So she would reach back out to me every year, like, you know we want you to come back to come. whatever whatever <laughs> and so um yeah I worked in um Intel labs that's that third summer and we were doing like um we were trying to find usages for camera array technology so before real sense cameras um, were a thing we were trying to figure out what would be usages for large scale uh camera array technology so that was a very fun internship like we took trips to like san francisco the residio and all these different areas trying to scout locations for a concept video that i decided to shoot i was like oh we should shoot a concept video and that'll be like what we present at the end of the summer and so we found these different locations i wrote the script we shot the video it was really cool and it essentially was about using camera ray technology and how it could empower a wedding uh wedding planner to show a bride and groom what the space could look like using ar and Mm -hmm. bringing different things into the scene like the chairs and all that type of stuff changing whether it's night and day and that type of stuff and that's what our concept video was about and then a few Mm -hmm. months later there was a commercial with uh david parsons an intel commercial showcasing real sense and that was the scenario and i was like "Hmm, that looks really familiar to me (laughs) (laughs) are you serious I'm serious. I don't know if wow. they ever saw my concept video or not, but it was very. So, whether or not they saw it, I don't care. No. I just thought it. I thought was a good idea. The Intel marketing department also thought it was a good idea. Apparently. Yeah. So, that was pretty dope. Cool. Um, they owe you some really royalties,
1: cool. child. You better put it on, <laughs> on something.
0: Yeah. I mean, she worked yeah. there now. So, she probably signed For... something. That's it. Yep. That's your idea now. <laughs> right. It's too late like, now. But yeah. And then I did a fourth internship. and But she can still put it on her CV. She can, definitely, definitely. And, France, one thing I admire about, like, your path with your internships, especially, specifically with Intel, is that I felt like it gave you a lot of agency over what Mm -hmm. you concentrated on in your Mm -hmm. PhD. Like, you got to say, hey, I'm doing this, and it wasn't something that was mandated to you. Like, you know, because didn't they fund, like, part of your PhD yeah, so that was another thing I was about to say. I had agency because I had money. But um, so I had the, I'm a Bill and Melinda Gates scholar. So I had that in undergrad and graduate school. So that was kind of like baseline. Then I had SRAB when we were in Clemson, but Florida is not SRAB school. And then there was another fellowship. When I got to Florida, I think I got the graduate research fellowship that one of the ones that they give away But as I was an intern at Intel, someone recommended that I get the gym fellowship. So then I got Mm -hmm. the gym fellowship through Intel. But my fourth internship is what I was saying. During my fourth internship, I was a part of the engineering leadership program. And that year was a crazy year for us because... My, all my other internships have been with the collaborators program, but this year they have this engineering leadership program where they were bringing in all of these PhDs from around the world, around the country to come in and solve these problems that the, basically the executives had picked. So like the CEO and his, his VPs and their level, they had figured out these are the next kind of problems that as a company, we want to solve and We want to put these people on these interdisciplinary teams. It so essentially, it's just like collaborators, but, for uh, people with PhDs. And this wasn't an internship. This was their job. And they had to come and do all this vetting and these in-person interviews for several days and all this craziness. But for me, the person who was over the program, several people had told her that she should meet me. Like, have you met French Jackson? Have you met French Jackson? You need to meet her. She wants to be in a rotational engineering program. Now that you're changing it to the engineering leadership program, you need to consider her as a candidate, all this type of stuff. So on one of the recruiting trips, she came to Florida with the purpose of meeting me. Wow. So she came and she's like, I keep hearing so much about you. I need to sit down and meet with you. So she like took me to dinner. We talked. I talked about my research, she talked about things I had done in Intel, the things I had done in school. And she was like, I'm going to open up an internship position for you. And this program is not supposed to have an intern. Like I just told you it's supposed <laughs> to be for PhD solving these big problems over a set amount of time. And she's like, well, we want you to come for three months and be an intern in the program. And I'm going to open up a spot and figure it out. And, not, and then I ended up getting put on two projects. So very crazy. But during that summer, I got to um, design the Intel Bitcoin wallet. That was my primary project. And so that got presented to the CEO at the time. And he gave the group like $5 million to go off and try to explore it more and build it based off the designs that I made. But that wasn't done until the fall. So I wasn't there when they presented the work. You but better do it. We got bonuses from doing a job. <laughs> oh, I, was okay. just, I, I was minding my business. You got and money. In and I just got like a $5,000 random check and that was my bonus. Okay. I was like, oh, I'm Congrats. I'm sure the other folks yeah. got way yes. more. But I was very happy for my money. Um, But also that <laughs> summer, I, my work got presented to the CEO a second time because Marvin and Chris, Marvin Anduhar and Chris Crawford they met one of the um, VPs at the time, Richard Taylor, and he was so enamored with the BCI research that they were talking about in the brain-drawn race. And he's like, oh, BK's got to see this. Y'all got to show this to BK. So we ended up setting, getting a time to meet with the CEO to talk to him about um, brain-drawn race and talk to him about our individual goals. And You need to tell people what the brain-drawn race is, though. <laughs> you have to say <laughs> We'll go back there. We'll go yeah. back there. Okay. 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 And he liked it, so like we were super prepared. We had met with different people, and the, and I didn't haven't talked a lot about my mentors and things like that. But like one of my mentors, she um, was uh, like a TA, so she interfaced a lot with executives, a lot with um, BK at the time. He was the CEO of Intel, and she just gave her uh, gave us pointers on what he might want to see, what he would be interested in, the language that we needed to use, all these things. And so we were really prepared. We made sure the technology worked. Like we were staying up late <laughs> the whole week before. And we put our proposal together. We had to ask at the end of it, like, what do we need? What we're going to use it for? All this stuff. We had no idea if he was going to give us money or not, but we were just prepared. So we got to the end. He was like, I like what these kids are doing. Give them whatever they want. Give them whatever they need. Wow. And he, was, so they were like, well, what do y'all need? Well, now that you mention it, we need three hundred thousand dollars, and this is how <laughs> we're going to spend it, um, to fund our to fund the rest of our PhD for equipment for this, for that, for our studies or whatever. And so, um, we got three hundred thousand dollars from BK to fund our graduate research, um, pretty much our dissertation research, and to that's fund unheard our, of, friends. I just need you to Android. know this. <laughs> <laughs> jeremy's face is, right? <laughs> for those yeah. of you who are just listening jeremy is she's she's over it right she's, she's turned away from is that the- your first time hearing that jeremy yes to, yeah, she she doesn't know the story oh I, <laughs> like, and this why? is everybody's hearing it in that much detail Like I knew Um, y'all impressed the folks at Intel and they gave y'all money. I didn't realize all the other parts. We worked our butt off like the drone. We had to get our lab mates thankful for them. They shipped us the drones and um the computers and the equipment that we needed to be able to do the demo. Like we're so grateful for them. Like they had to pack it up, they had to take it to FedEx, ship it to us (laughs) across the country because we were in Santa Clara, California. They shipped it to us in a timely manner and like know that part of the story doesn't get told but if it wasn't for them shipping us that stuff we wouldn't even get able to do it so they shipped it to us and when i tell you we were at work to like 11 12 o'clock at night the whole week leading up to that because we were not playing like i'm
1: regular that's all i know (laughs) like our lab mates
0: call us the cali crew and Y'all Calicoid were the <laughs> They went different. to California and just decided they were too good for everyone no, I'm kidding wow. <laughs> they were No Friends. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, so yeah, that's the story. Is it is it, you never hear about PhD students doing this. Like this we hear a whole lot of stories here. Like this is gonna be episode 40 something. <laughs> and in our 40-something episodes, we have never heard Anything I like presented
1: this. something to like a fortune what fifty company, <laughs> <laughs> right? Company. And he said, <laughs> "Give them
0: what they want." <laughs> I yeah. just
1: I got so many questions. I I can't get into this. Okay, we can't get into. This. Let's go back. So, brain drone race
0: yeah the brain oh you want to go back to brain drill
1: yeah because i can't i can't my brain is gonna go too far with the the, the,
0: i can't i can't take credit for the for the inception of the idea marvin and chris who i spoke about earlier they literally were when they tell the story they were in the mall in uh, tampa (laughs) or somewhere and they and they saw some drones in the middle of the mall and marvin is, this is like the marriage of the perfect group of people we talk about cali crew so marvin's <laughs> focus has been bci it feels like his entire life it almost feels like he was just born knowing understanding and being interested in brain computer interface devices mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. he was like the bci expert chris came to us as a human robot interaction person like that was his yeah, undergraduate research that was his, thing, that was his interest he was a roboticist and so they were like oh, it would be so cool if you could use BCI to control the drones. And it was just an idea. This is when we were at Clemson. And so then they got super focused on figuring out how to map those EEG waves to forward motion in the application that drives the drones. And then it wasn't a race. It wasn't anything. It was just a research to figure out if we could do this thing. And I wasn't super involved. I was just in the lab doing some BCI stuff and whatever, but I wasn't like very helpful at this stage. But day. you knew who to align yourself with though. <laughs> I knew who to align myself with. And so Marvin, like you got sucked in. I got sucked into all this BCI <laughs> stuff. And Marvin's like, well, you know, is a wearable and you're interested in wearable. So I think you should just come on over and work on the BCI mm-hmm. stuff with us. And I'm like, Uh, that thing ain't no wearable first of all (laughs) I'm like show me a different one or something because it's not giving it's not giving (laughs) and then eventually I was like okay yeah this is kind of cool and then like the different things that you can do with it and how you can benefit from it like relaxation meditation measuring your focus all those types of things became very interesting so by the time we got to Florida we're like dang let's do a brain drone race where we have people race drones using the BCI devices. To control them and so we planned this huge event that was an immense amount of work and this is on top of being phd students this is on top of our research on top of classes and on top of interning because we were all interning yeah, as yeah. well during this time so we had a whole lot going on but we had money to figure out how to get it done <laughs> and from that you know we had the world's first ever brain drone race at the university of florida Oh, I think that was in, I don't know what year was it? 2016. Yeah. That 15 right. or 16, something like that. Such a blur. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And it was phenomenal. <laughs> it was really good. There's so many like pictures, so much news coverage from it. Like when you think of I'ma fly something with something, I'm thinking. Like Florida's. I was still good using at it. That's all that. I know.
1: That's all I'ma say. <laughs> like my brain waves. We we on point, okay. Like, your brain
0: waves be waving. They do. Hey, that's
1: it. That's it. Have y'all ever flown a drone with your brains, listeners? No? Okay. Maybe you should come to Florida. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and that's that on that. Um,
0: Period. I think they're like turned. They've turned into. They have. Like they a turned league. to a lead.
1: Mm-hmm. And all types of things. Also, so. Okay, fine. You can go to the University of South Florida and the University of Alabama. But
0: also, the people who created it, though, what are their origins? That's where they are.
1: That? So that's yeah. where they are. Wow. I just, I can't get over this. Y'all just walked up to the CEO and was like, "Give me some money."
0: We let him do like, it, too. He got to fly want. the drone and everything. And he was so Ooh. into it. But at the time, uh, Intel, he was passionate about drones and figuring out what we could do with drones and how Intel could in- like large their footprint in that area. Like we had mm-hmm. drone shows at the Olympics and all type of things. And so that's yeah. why he was willing yeah. to invest so much in the space. Um, so, yeah. That's cool. That is cool. France, you're too cool for us.
1: No, she's not. Okay. She's exactly the right amount of cool. Yeah, she's
0: exactly the right amount.
1: I'm just trying to be, like, one of the little tiles in her Instagram profile because her (laughs) life is fabulous, and I just want to be a part of it. I think you do a good job at, like, showing people what life can be like if you, you know, achieve your goals and Mm -hmm. your dreams. And I think I love that about you, that you don't, like – put it in people's face like oh I'm flaunting this like I have access mm-hmm. to and can do x y and z it's more so like look at me living my life
0: right this is Tuesday Bloop. <laughs> You know. <laughs> <laughs> well for me I'm so glad that you said that too Jeremy because that's the goal like I'm not interested in um bragging first of all and I'm definitely not interested in just like flexing that's not of interest mm. to me but I do want to show people that if you work hard you can have anything that you want Um, You don't have to be a drug dealer to have money. You don't have to date a scammer (laughs) to have nice things and go on trips, you know, those type of things. And I think, you know, it's constantly a reminder, particularly to the people that are from where I'm from, that, hey, we're from the same place. We have most of the same resources. And if I can do this, then you can do it, too, whether it's people that are my peers or younger people that look up to me. Like when I go home, people always say, man, I see what you're doing. I'm proud of you. You represent. I see what you're doing. I'm proud of you. And that's my goal. Like, I want to get more people to where I am. And if I want to do that, I got to make where I'm at look appealing so that people want to be there and do those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's real. I don't got time.
0: I was at a conference with Roland Martin and he was like... Y'all computer scientists, y'all over here talking about how we get more black people in computing. You need to make it look sexy. Make computer scientists look sexy. (laughs) He's not lying. Show your cars. Show this, show that. It's like-
1: Show your cars.
0: It's so (laughs) many misconceptions. And I think all of us kind of work in that or are passionate about that space of breaking those stereotypes and the misconception Mm -hmm. of what it looks like to be in computing, what it looks like to be a computer scientist or an engineer or in technology. Yeah, I think, and I think that's important. I was talking to my sister one day and she said something about like off days, like PTO. And I was like, well, I think there's a set number of PTO that I have, but nobody counts my off days. So if I just turn my calendar to purple and say I'm off. And I'm off. <laughs> like, like nobody's counting, right? Unless you work in the fab, in which case you have to be in that spot to do that job. But yeah. a lot of tech companies have, an infinite pto and she was like what and this was a conversation we had like two months ago she was like she had no idea that that was a thing and i and now to me i'm like how do you not know that's a thing most of my friends have infinite pto like right. me. but she just didn't know and, and i'm her sister You know, so imagine what other people who barely even know anybody who works in tech imagine what their mind is privy to and they know. Um, Someone, you know, someone asked me last week, they texted me, I was like, hey, this is random, but people working in tech really make $40 an hour and up. And I had to go do a translation of what $40 an hour equal to the salary because I don't, my mind don't think in per hour terms. And then when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that's what I was making as an intern. But Whoop. um and it wasn't in a braggy way, it was just like in an answer to your question, like, yeah, definitely, definitely for yeah. sure. What's our subs, like definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was just the idea that there's so many things that people just don't know and don't have access to. And nobody gonna tell them if we don't. Yeah, I feel like the higher you go, the less I don't want to say accountability, but the less people are checking for you. It's more so about what you produce versus how long you were sitting in a chair. So, oh, yeah, mm. for sure, for sure. And like, even for my job, like, as a, well, working in town in general, you there are very little set hours. But for me, I work with first of all, I work with people all over the world. So, there are days when I have meetings at seven o'clock in the morning. And days and I have meetings at seven o'clock at night, sometimes on the same day. So if I'm working a span of 12 hours on Wednesday, I'm not working on Friday, or I'm working very minimally on Friday, you know? Or it's hard for you to tell me that I have to work nine to five when I have several meetings that are outside of those regular business hours. And so they don't want you to, they don't want to tell you the set business hours because you're needed to work outside of those hours. And even as a UX researcher, I have to engage with people outside of the company on their time so if i'm doing um ethnographic research i'm going into people's homes and things like that that's not necessarily happening nine to five because that's not necessarily when they're available so no i work varying hours every day yeah like you said it's more about um achieving the goal and the deliverable so beautiful
1: so good i love this (laughs) I'm just so happy? So, okay, what do you do for fun? So people can know that you live a life because you live a life. Um. Right,
0: a whole life. Uh, you know, people used to ask me that in grad school and I used to laugh, like, I don't do nothing for fun. Going to conferences and figuring out how I can stay an extra two days. Is That's different, okay. Wow. So then when I got out of graduate school, it was like, dang, what do I do for fun? I can do some <laughs> things now. Let me think about it. I don't even know what I like to do anymore. Let me figure it out. I like to rest for fun, to be honest. Ooh. I work a lot. <laughs> so sometimes mm. literally just sitting on my couch, binge watching mm. a TV show that I like is my absolute idea for it. Like, I don't want to think about nothing. I don't want to do nothing. I want my brain to work. I just want to chill. That's a lot of times my idea of fun. Um, but I do like sports. I travel pre-COVID. I find myself going home a lot. I should not, I should go home a lot less and go other places a lot more, but I spend a lot of time <laughs> no. going to South Carolina. Well, that's I'd be having though. to check on my grandma and, you know, all the things. Yeah. So, yeah. And community service. I do a lot of community service. Like what?
1: Like what do you do?
0: Like with your STEM sorority? outreach. Sometimes with the sorority, but a lot of times I do a lot of STEM outreach. So people ask me to speak or volunteer at a mm-hmm. program for middle schoolers or stuff like that. I try to make time and space to to do that sort of thing. That's awesome. in, in that And you want somebody's sure. whole dissertation committee? Like you were doing a oh, whole yeah. Lot of service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And also just talking to people. Like, you know how in our computer, computer science community, it's all like, oh, you're interested in that? Have you talked to so and so? You should reach out to so and so. And so somehow my name usually gets brought up in those conversations as somebody's student will reach out. And I make it a point to make time for them because, I mean, we were you all PhD students yeah. at one time, and we needed help. More. I yes, actually, you know, actually, I'm literally checking my list. I'm like, I think we got France on the list for somebody to talk to, you. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> we needed help, and it's just important to reach back and help more people mm-hmm. get across that bridge. Um, I'm, that's super important to me, so I'll make the time.
1: So before you head out, I Kyla wants to really know, because I know we, we've talked about this, what some really cool projects you have going on, if you can talk about them. I know sometimes you can't, but...
0: Yeah. So um, when you were reading my bio, a lot of my bio about working on the customer innovation team and those things that I was doing, that was like my first job at Intel and what I was doing um, during that time. And I actually just started a new role in February, which is where I'm on the one edge team. So the second half was like what I'm doing now I'm on the one edge team, uh, working <laughs> on uh, 5G private wireless products. Um I can't talk about it that much, but okay. that's what I'm doing. I'm okay. a de- mostly focused on the developer experience. So as we're developing these 5G edge network, network edge uh, products of the future of now and of the future, making sure that the developer experience is good,
1: hmm. which is
0: new for me because we, I typically focus on user experience. So right. like the end user, the end customer, but the developer who, the computer scientists or the developer that's doing the coding and that's getting the documentation and going through that GitHub experience, they have their own set of needs and their own things that need to be met to make that job successful. And so that's kind of where I'm focused now for my product. Um, kind of planning out the research model map, executing against it, making uh, requirements, product requirements around that space. But before that I was working on, Um, some other fun stuff. Like this project is not as fun and sexy as the things that I used to work on, but it's fun to me because it's very difficult and it's an area that I'm unfamiliar. So part of it feels like grad school all over again because I'm (laughs) doing literature reviews, I'm researching, I'm teaching myself, you know, what these acronyms mean. I've created a dictionary and my notion, just trying to keep track of all these little acronyms and definitions around my product. But before that, my research, I mean, my work was more aligned with my research area of, technology and popular culture. So I worked on a lot of um, video game streaming, live streaming, content creation, that sort of stuff. Um, My favorite product. He's glossing over a whole lot of fun stuff. I just want y'all to know. Well, I was about to go deep on one. I was going to go deep on one. So um, just high level. And then one that I really enjoyed was a personal streaming PC. So this was the idea that we wanted to create a streaming appliance or device that streamers could use when live streaming. So people who like Ninja or Dr. Lupo, who are professional streamers, they typically have two computers. One is for gaming only the game. It handles all the game stuff just to make sure that their game is at full capacity. And then they have a second computer that is just for streaming, and it handles all the encoding, whatever broadcast software you're using, music, all those things. But it can be expensive to have to build two gaming computers, basically. It's very expensive. (laughs) Right? And then you got to figure out, how do I connect these two? How do I connect the audio? And what are Mm -hmm. the settings that I need to set up so that I can decide if I want you to hear my in-game audio but not the chat and how Mm -hmm. do i make sure that you can hear my audio and the people in the game on the other computer can hear my audio it's like all these very difficult things that you got to figure out and so we created a um a streaming appliance called a personal streaming pc and we worked with a couple of different oems to create that but for the product for the project i was the the ux person or whatever and It was cool because I got to, first of all, I had to watch a lot of Twitch because I knew (laughs) about game streaming, but it wasn't an area that I was super excellent in. Chris, again, exposed (laughs) me to Twitch because he used to watch it when we were in grad school. So I was like, oh, familiar with it, but I didn't know how to set up a live stream, let's say. So I have all this live stream equipment, all the stuff that they use. I have a full live stream setup, all that type of stuff. Like if you come to my desk, one screen would have Twitch on at all times. And I'm just listening to what they're saying. I'm listening to how they're interacting with each other. What is the dynamic? What is the culture? So that I can understand things like at Intel, if we want to make an intelligent, solution that helps you create highlight reels from your Mm. content i need to know and in order for me to know that that would be useful i had to know what the current culture of highlight reels were Mm -hmm. like if you're streaming the streamer might say oh clip that clip that and then an audience member would clip the highlight reel and then it would go you get the url you could paste it into the chat but i will only learn that from watching twitch and understanding how they engage with each other and then i will go to people's houses and like sit back there And just observe, like do ethnography or contextual inquiry and like watch them stream and understand things like um, what are they using? What all types of hardware do they have? Do they have Blue Yeti microphones? What kind of camera do they have? They have a stream deck, all these things. I'm looking at where are their hands? Where is their attention diverted to? They have several monitors. How are they organizing the monitors? What all software are they running? What's their process? All these things then Feed into the UX of the product because now I can go back to the product team and say, hey, well, this OEM only has two USB ports on their device. It needs four because the person's going to have a USB this, a USB that. This is what I observed in the field. This is what most people have. Okay, well, um, it doesn't have an ability to collect um, Excel mics. How are we going to account for that? And so making recommendations on the IO ports, making recommendations on what additional adapters should be included in the box planning Mm -hmm. the out-of-box experience, making diagrams for the connection diagrams. Mm -hmm. I wrote instruction manuals, all type of things, because I was working with other companies that didn't have a UX person. So Mm -hmm. I had to do the UX for them and their product from Intel. For them to, like,
1: marry kind of seamlessly mm -hmm. together.
0: That is so cool. (laughs) And nobody thinks, oh, I'm going to study, I'm going to be in a computing department and that's going to be my job. Like people don't know that you, what you do, all the cool stuff you worked on is even mm -hmm. an option.
1: I think what's great about that story is that I understood it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think oftentimes I have conversations with computer scientists. It's very difficult for them to synthesize it down to be something Mm -hmm. that anybody could understand. Like, anybody could understand that you're talk what you're talking about at least from our generation and younger yeah yeah <laughs> so i think
0: that's the ux part like if yeah. you can't exp- if you can't tell a story and efficiently explain something then you might struggle being a ux practitioner for sure
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. absolutely well France, this was wonderful I'm so happy that you, we got the time to talk with you. I knew a lot about you already, but I'm glad that I got to hear like the details of a whole lot of stuff and just, you know, catch up on what you're doing now. This is great. Jeremy, what you about to say? say <laughs> your, your eyes are saying a whole
1: lot. <laughs> I'm just like thinking to myself, like, if I would have gone to industry, would I be as cool as France? And like, in my spirit, the answer is no. Like this is, I didn't even know, girl. <laughs> I even well,
0: know. I definitely think being an intern four times and making the best use of those internships set my career up to be the way it is. It gave me a lot of flexibility, like the autonomy and things like that, that you saw me exercising in grad school. I really bought that into my career because I did four internships. And during that time, I was hustling. Like I was meeting people. Oh, yeah. I'm networking. I'm trying to get to know everybody. I I want them to know me so that they're speaking my name in rooms like with that lady when i Jeremy. weren't there. Yes. So Somebody that, came all the way to meet you in Florida, you know. That's what I'm saying. Her. Like
1: that's how i feel. Like i just i met industry Jeremy. She <laughs> is on the podcast, y'all. If on y'all need Thank you for coming and sharing all of this about you.
0: Yes. Thank y'all but for having you, me. Absolutely. If people want to follow all the cool stuff you're doing, where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, I do not tweet as much as I should. I keep saying all the time I want to be more involved in Twitter, but I am on Twitter. It's just my name, France L. Jackson. Well, Instagram. My Instagram stories is where most of the action is, at Geek and Chic. <laughs> And so many people think it's Geek and Chick. And I just think that's so funny because why would that be my Instagram name? It's just on the end, What? That's not exactly. it. Exactly. So it's just G-E-E-K, the letter N, and then C-H-I-C. And that's me, Geek and chic. She be geeking and shaking. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last wow. thing I'm going to say. People always ask me where that name came from. And to be honest, the first time I ever heard Geek and chic was... Jenny Jones, like when we were younger, and you remember Jenny Jones, just oh, like yeah. two o'clock in the morning, oh, and they would always be like, from geek to chic, and yeah. they would bring back like, people that were geeky in high school, and they like, had this whole, what we call, glow up now. And so I always thought that was so funny, and I'm like, well, you <laughs> could be both at the same time, and I'm gonna make that right. Instagram name. Mm-hmm. I like it's how you really reclaim like that. that story. It's like, look, you can be both, you know? They do not have to be mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Exactly yes and (laughs) (laughs) yeah let me know when we can do part two this was fun
1: (laughs) as always you can find us on our website modernfigurespodcast.com
0: send your questions to ask us at modernfigurespodcast.com
1: and follow us on twitter kyla is at dr underscore kyla And I am at Jeremy Waysom.
0: Visit ModernFiguresInc.com to learn more about our nonprofit organization aimed at promoting and engaging with women and girls interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and of course, computing. Until
1: next time, stay moisturized, hydrated,
0: mind your business,
1: and protect your peace.